Welcome to another episode of Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and crime. I'm Trish, your bartender for today. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender for today. And today we are bringing a case that Sloan says I probably never heard. And when she told me what it was, it didn't ring any bells, so I'm excited to learn. It's the Casket Girls of New Orleans. Yes. Sloan loves her New Orleans stuff, so. We both love our New Orleans stuff, but I also just, like, after everything that we've been talking about, we we haven't really covered a fun story in a while. The last case that I had a blast recording was Prohibition and Mobile. That was the New Year's Eve episode that we did. And so, on that note, I just kind of started looking up, like, historical, fun... Well, you must have been projecting because I've been like, I need to do another haunted thing. And I was like, I was like, I should do the LaLaurie Mansion. And I was mm. like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a dark one, though. <laughs> I almost I almost asked you if we could split that one. Like, I could do the crime part of it and you could do the haunted part of it. Because <laughs> that's something that she usually does over on Patreon. But, like, I just, I've needed some relief from my world, from the reality of the world that we're all living in right now. You know, we've had a lot of like mass shootings lately. And I know that it's a countrywide problem, but like, it seems like every day that we wake up here in Mobile, we have two or three different alerts about different shootings here in our own town too. And like really bad wrecks and just things like that. So my heart has been very heavy with reality, like the reality of the world and the reality of my home. And so I just wanted to bring something a little bit more lighthearted to the table today. So, like I said, this is one that does not ring any bells. So I'm I'm excited to uh, hear about it. So, I guess buckle up because we we all in for a ride today. <laughs> Welcome to another round of drinks with your bartender for today, Trish. And I'm going to be focusing on, it's kind of a few drinks because it's from a company called 12 Fives Brewing Company. It's like Rebel Brewing Company, I guess, is what it goes, like it's most known by. My, the like liquor store I work for had a tasting with them the other day so I tried it for the first time and like fell in love. (laughs) They are hard coffees and hard teas but they're not carbonated so for someone like Sloan who can't do carbonation they're like great. Perfect. And they just taste like the ones I'm focusing on today are the hard coffees because the rep was nice enough to give me a like variety pack of them just so I could share them with others and they're so good I've I've today I tried the last couple of flavors I had not tried and they're all so good in their own way they're not too sweet you can tell that they're like a hard coffee they do have a little bit of the alcohol taste but it's not like overwhelming mm-hmm. so it just kind of tastes like cold brew 
that has like a flavoring and some alcohol in it and oh they're so good so the variety pack that we got and the they do have some seasonal flavors i haven't tried any of the seasonal flavors but out of the variety pack they have a mocha it's a mocha latte flavor a salted caramel latte flavor vanilla latte and the one that is surprising me that is like probably one of my favorite is a maple pecan latte one sloan's been doing some other drinks so i haven't let her try that one yet because i want her to be able to appreciate it fully but they are all so good they're only five percent alcohol so it's not like they're a you know one that you're gonna drink one and be just sloshed on <laughs> but like I said, I'm really liking the fact that they are not carbonated, so, like, I can drink, like, a few of them and not have, like, the, I guess, bubble sitting in your stomach and that, that, you know, carbonation gives you. And, like I said, out, out of all the flavors I've tried, I've even tried some of the teas because my mom wanted them, and the guy actually gave me some of the tea ones to take to hers, too. Out of the ones we tried the other day, those were good as well. So definitely highly suggest if you find these like around you. I want to say they distribute pretty widely because like I said, Alabama is one of the hardest states to get like alcohol into. There's a whole like board you have to go through and everything. And then usually once it gets approved by that, it takes two to three weeks for it to even get into stores. So like people are talking about like, the hard Mountain Dew stuff and how it's like starting to slowly spread like outside of I think Vegas is where it started up and Alabama it's not even on the books yet so we're gonna be well behind the fad <laughs> what else is new? but definitely if you see any of the rebel hard coffees or hard teas in your store Definitely give them a try because, like I said, they are well worth it. They have a lot of flavor to them, and they're 5% and just easy, easy to drink. Highly recommend, and with that being said, um, I guess we'll kick you off to the episode. No other city in America keeps its history as vital and accessible as New Orleans. House after house, street after street... Indeed, entire neighborhoods exude a rich sense of place and serve as touchstones for fascinating history and complex culture. True. In New Orleans, history can strut as loudly as a carnival walking crew. It's thrilling, colorful, tragic, but inspiring history. And I have to say that is absolutely 1000% true. Like if you have never been to New Orleans, you drive into town and you just feel the love of the city the heart of the city the soul of the city and you can see the history yes everywhere i love it indigenous indigenous people called it balbancha meaning land of many tongues also apologies in advance if i butcher things i did try to look up pronunciations but i am the uncultured hick here <laughs> I tried. Anyway, so it meaning land of many tongues, and they inhabited the rich delta lands between the Mississippi River, which means father of waters, and Aquata, 
Big Water, aka Lake Pontchartrain, which I always thought Pontchartrain was the Native American name for that water. I had no clue that they changed the name. Like, anyways, white man, no. <laughs> for some, for some reason that would later, for the same reason that would later attract the Europeans, abundant ecological resources and a convenient network of navigable, navigable rivers, bayous, and bays. New Orleans was founded in early 1718 by the French as La Nouvelle. Alion. Alion. Nouvelle Alion. I think I did pretty well on that one. And if <laughs> I did not, don't tell me otherwise, because I did great. <sighs> All right. So, New Orleans was founded under the direction of Louisiana Governor Jean Baptiste, Baptiste, Baptiste Lemoyne de, de Bienville. And I know I got Bienville right because we got one of those here in Mobile. <laughs> and this is is one of the main players in our story today, so I'm going to henceforth refer to him as Bienville. We're not going through that long name again. Now, moving along to 1728 in the port of New Orleans, a busy spot full of shouting men, stamping hooves of horses, and the scraping of boxes as the ships were unloaded. Last to be unloaded from the ship was a group of young women who were ushered down the wooden plank onto the soiled grounds of La Nouvelle Orleans. Allianz? New Orleans, we're just going to go with what I know, into the unknown. Each woman held a coffin-shaped cassette, which was a middle French word for a small chest or a small box for jewels. To th so they clung these coffin-shaped boxes to their chest, holding all of their belongings. After traveling for nearly six months through the rough waters of the Atlantic Ocean, the young women were eager to be home or at least their new home. These ladies were handpicked by the Bishop of Quebec on, on order of the French king. They were all of appropriate age, and I use that term loosely. You'll see why in a bit. They were all of appropriate age and background. They were in New Orleans for one thing, to make a good match and marry one of the French colonists inhabiting the new Louisiana colony. Upon sight of them, however, rumors began to circulate through town. Paul or the French word for pale. Paul, the Frenchmen all muttered to themselves as they spotted the women meant to become their brides. So very pale were the girls that their skin reddened and blistered within moments of enduring the hot subtropical sun. And I got a few things to say about this. Number one, yeah, they were fucking pale. They came from France. <laughs> They've been on a boat for six months. They've been on a boat where they've had to stay below deck because if you were on deck, it was viewed like that was not a ladylike place to be. It wasn't an appropriate place for young virtuous women to be. So they were kept below decks for six months. Yeah. Yes, they were pale, especially compared to the French Creoles walking around the, the port because New Orleans is a subtropical climate. It is hot as fuck down here. Like, we're not in New Orleans, but we are, like, equal line to New Orleans. It's 92 degrees today with a, like, heat index making it feel like 104. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot as fuck. They all stayed outside at that point in time. So, yes, everybody that had been living in New Orleans, and that's not even to mention, you know, the mixed, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to use here? 
like the mixed cultures that were coming together. Like you had the Native Americans blending in with the, well, the colonists stole the Native Americans. Yeah. Let's get that straight. But then you have their mixed children. And then you also have like the freed enslaved people at this time. And you even have some of the white men taking advantage of their enslaved black women at the time. So you have a lot of different skin tones yeah. happening around this location. And still to this day, like you have your Cajuns, you have your Creoles, you have your Native Americans, you have a ton of new immigrants that have been added to the melting pot since then. Yeah. But all of this to say that, of course, compared to these people who lived out in the sun... Compared to the women who were stuck essentially underground for six months. And they probably were not very dark to begin with, considering they were from France. Yeah, they were pale. So they're getting off the boats. Clutching their casket-shaped chest. And these young women, who became known as Fee à la Cassette, were brought to their new home. Until This is where they would stay until their respective marriages were to take place. They were to remain under the care and the protection of the Ursuline nuns. The fate of the Fee à la Cassette was not what was expected. The local men in the Vieux Carré gravely disrespected the women. Some were placed in unwanted marriages, only to be mistreated by their husbands. And others, upon finding themselves alone and unwed, were forced into prostitution. The French king had had enough. He demanded the girls return to France. But the sisters of the Ursuline convent then took the casket-shaped chests that once carried everything that the Fia La Cassette had owned and climbed the steps to the third floor of the convent at 1112 Rue Chartres Road. And up until this time, the windows and door to the third floor had always been sealed shut, and they remained so at the time. So I'm a little confused as to whether or not they sent the girls back and kept their belongings or if like they put the girls locked up on the third floor with the belongings. I couldn't find a clear answer to that before anybody asks. (laughs) But a short time later, when the nuns returned to the third floor, they found that the chests were completely emptied. They spared no section of the third floor during their search, though the belongings were never recovered. Fearing that the young women might have had something other than what might have been something other than what they said they were, the Ursuline nuns spared no expense in making sure that nothing ever left the third floor space after this. The doors were bolted shut, the nails to the windows were blessed by the Pope himself and locked in place, and the whispering began. But this time, with a new twist along with the pale. Were these young ladies vampires? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I just think they're pale. They haven't seen the sun in like a year. <laughs> and they're in a new foreign place they're not familiar with. So, of course, they're a little weird. All right. If they start sparkling, though, you know, ha- thrown in the towel, man. That's, that's <laughs> the vampire right there. <laughs> yes. Uh, so in night, we're gonna time travel forward quite a bit. In 1978, so like two centuries later, 
two paranormal investigators seeking answers to whether the Fiala cassette had in fact been vampires. The, the investigators camped out directly in front of the old Ursuline convent. They'd been previously kicked off the property itself for loitering, but decided to stay the night across the street in their car and see if they experienced anything but they decided to stay the night in their car and see if they experienced anything right outside of the walls themselves. The hours passed, trickling by minute by minute. They became so bored they passed out. While they were asleep, they didn't notice the third floor shutters, the same ones that had been locked shut and blessed by the Pope, open and shut two times. The recording cameras whirled to a stop as the scene faded to black. The next morning, the investigators were found. Well... Their bodies were found, torn open and ravaged as if by the claws of an animal and drained of blood. Vampires? Fiala Cassette? Is it all one and the same? The world we never know. I feel like I saw a TikTok talking about the building. Not like this part, but I feel like I saw a TikTok talking about the building, how the like shutters on like the top level are closed the old ursuline convent maybe so i know that i've been on a ghost tour in new orleans and i've definitely seen a building pointed out where the top shutters were locked but they said it was for a different reason and it was not on this street so i don't think i've ever seen this place and I know that I have never heard of the Casket Girls yeah. until I, I found this on one of the New Orleans like Ghost City Tours websites. <laughs> they have uh, little blurbs. My dream to just go to New Orleans and do all the ghost tours. If you want to support that dream, <laughs> feel free to Venmo or Cash App one of us. Like we said, we are very close to New Orleans. It's not that far. It's easy to do. We just need money for the tickets. My friend Emily sent me, um, it's one of the bars in, it's actually in Kentucky, but it's like right across the river from Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. It's called Bobby Mackey's, which if you know anything about like paranormal, you, you've probably have heard it, but it's like supposed to be one of the most haunted bars and that. I was like, I know exactly where it sits. I have actually made the effort to drive by at one point, hoping that maybe like, Sarah'd be like, okay, we can stop. <sighs> and she's like, nah, no, we're not going. Not today. I'm like, I want to go. Day. It's haunted. I want to go. Not today. <laughs> not any day. Anyways, so back to our casket girls. Uh, legend of the vampire casket girls have circulated since at least the early 1900s. That's the first like recorded instance of it. Tour guides would bring tourists across the street from the Beauregard Keys House Museum, where they attempt to peer over the outer walls of the old Ursuline convent before pointing to the third floors where the shutters are tightly shut. So maybe I did see this one and I just wasn't standing on Charter, Charter Street. Maybe. Because that, I, yeah. I probably was at this place. It's been forever, so really, we do need to go. I need to go again. Trish needs to go for the first time. We'll gladly go anytime. Right. But while the legend holds little basis for truth, one, the caskets were their little small chests, and caskets were not referenced as burial items until around 1900, which would make sense why around 1900 it would become 
a th- like popular theory that they were vampires with their caskets. Yeah. And two, is it really likely that the Pope at the time made his way all the way to New Orleans to bless the nails in the third floor of this convent? Not I don't likely. think so. To me, it seems like prostitution is a lot more likely. And to further prove my point here, did you have something you wanted to add to that? No, okay. Uh, to further prove my point, the casket girls were not the first, quote, program initiated by the French crown to create population growth in the new world. The Canadian colony of New France, modern day Quebec, was the first, tracing back to 1663. Apparently, that colony too was lacking in the ladies, so Jean Talon, the intendant of New France, wrote to King Louis the Fourteenth to ask for a ship- shipment of ladies. Le Barf. <laughs> the king was like, absolutely, and began recruiting women for the task. Right. It was a very stringent process. The women, really girls, had to be between 12 and 25 years old, and they had to provide a letter from their respective parish priest which recommended them for the position you know gotta make sure they're pure for prostitution right absolutely this group of ladies was known as the feed feed raw or the king's daughters between 1663 and 1673 over 800 young women made the trip from france to canada over 800 women between 12 12 and 25 made their way from France to the New World. Not all the women made it to Quebec, though. Some died en route to Montreal, others made it to the port in France before running back home, and others were sent home at the port of France for failing to live up to the standards of being the fille de Ra. Oh my god. The idea that the women were prostitutes was fostered early on, even within a century of the women landing. Baron La Haunton wrote that the women were of middling virtue and that the only reason they had chosen to immigrate was because they needed religious absolution from their sins. Only one of the 800-ish women was ever charged with prostitution, though. So that's kind of like a chin-scratch moment for me. Her name was Catherine Gicklin, and she only turned to prostitution after her husband decided that he'd rather live in France, so he abandoned her in the New World with their two children. So she turned to prostitution to make a living. (laughs) Just like a man. He left the country. He left this hemisphere. (laughs) No, I don't like this whole married thing. These little crotch goblins. Gotta go. I mean, I can't blame you for the crotch goblins. <laughs> but that's why I'm never going to pop any out. <laughs> They're not coming. Uh. Uh, but the rumors persisted and became somewhat of a trend. So the next group of young women came in July of 1704 and they were sent to the French colony of Biloxi. Hey. That's about like an hour from us, if that. They arrived on the Pelican at the bidding of Jean Baptist, Sir Bienville. I said I was going to call him Bienville. I forgot. B 
Bienville, who also wrote to King Louis XIV for potential brides for his soldiers and men. After all, the soldiers and expeditions who sailed down the Mississippi River with Bienville were now, quote, chasing through the woods in pursuit of Indian mistresses, end quote. Do you mean that your men are running through the forest, the woods, and kidnapping and raping these Indian princess princesses? Like, I have nothing but respect for the Native Americans. Yeah. And this is not respectful at all. It was yo white men that fuck shit up here. But anyways, Bienville was desperate. King Louis agreed and sent a group of 23 young women in the care of the Sisters of Charity and Order of Quebec, as well as Father Henry Levent and three other priests. The marriageable women ranged between, this time, 14 and 19 years old. Now we're getting older. And we also lowered the bracket. <laughs> yeah. No more 20-year-olds. You're too old. But this time, they were specifically chosen because they were pure virgins. An alleged letter written to Bienville from King Louis read, His Majesty send by that ship 212 girls to be married to the Canadians and others who have begun habitations at, at Mobile in order that this colony can firmly establish itself. Each of these girls was raised in virtue and piety and know how to work, which will render them use, useful in the colony by showing the Indian girls what they can do. For this there being no point in sending other than a virtue known and without reproach. The women were chosen well and the Biloxi colony blossomed. In 1721, Bienville was desperate for more women in the brand new colony of New Orleans. So this is eight years before our, ca our casket girls come. The men of New Orleans needed brides because they were having illicit affairs with enslaved women or women of gen libre de color or freed black women. Bienville was not impressed, but he also knew that the men in the territory were the scum of France with only debauchery on their minds. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's get them some great girls. <laughs> Bienville needed good, virtuous women that could save his men. No, your men need to save your men. It's not a woman's job to save a man. Yep. Our friend King Louis was more than happy to oblige Bienville's request, and 88 women arrived near Mobile Bay on January 8, 1721, and they were promptly handed over to Bienville to deal with. Unfortunately, the king found his, quote, supply from the House of Corrections. All were destitute, most were prostitutes, but they were all meant to be proper wives for these men. Clearly, this was a great plan, right? <laughs> Just kidding. This crew of ladies only added to the terse, depraved environment already raging in New Orleans, which is why a few years later, Bienville would ask again for a fresh set of women for his men in the area. So back to our casket girls. It's hard to say exactly why the vampire myth has stuck around for so long or who started it. I mean, I have my guesses why it's popular, but I'm just a couch detective. I think, you know, Anne Rice kind of kicked it off. And then we have the Twilight and Vampire Diaries. And like, it's just, it's a very popular thing in this century and the past century. So I get it. What we do know is that the casket girls went on to make some brilliant marriages in their initial years in the French Quarter. It's said that almost all of New Orleans can trace their lineage back to one of these young women sent from France to become the French Creole's brides. 
another myth? Probably. But if they weren't vampires, they might as well be the matriarchs of New, of New Orleans. And that is my case for today. A nice, fun, light historical tale about possible vampire sluts. <laughs> who I would aspire to be in the old days. <laughs> right? If I wasn't in Salem, I would want to be one of the pal casket girls. Yeah, but... Yeah, definitely had never heard that before, so. Me either. I li- Like I said, I was on one of the Ghost City tours for New Orleans, and they had a little link, a little side page that I noted, because I started off just looking for fun New Orleans stories, and it led me to the Zach and Addie story, mm-hmm. and I'm sure most of y'all know that story. It's about the young couple in New Orleans, and... I'm sure we'll get to it at some point, but that definitely was not the lighthearted tale that I was looking <laughs> You're for. Trying to go for you by any means. But whenever I like hit the back page, there were several ghost stories for New Orleans, and this one was the one that just kind of like captivated my attention and my heart. And I just, I mean, nobody really got hurt yeah. <laughs> in this story, so I feel like it was a good nice Except for those ghost hunters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but also that was in 1978, and I'm just, like, really confused on how that whole thing happened, and there was never any, like, photographic proof, but, like, their video disappeared, but, like, yeah. I couldn't, I I also kind of think knows. maybe that was another myth as well, just something to add to the story. Yeah. The world will never know. But that being said, we'll go ahead and kick you off to the last call. Welcome to another last call with your bartender Trish and going with our love of TikTok bringing us, you know, drink recipes, story ideas, stuff like that. I've been seeing this on TikTok quite a bit. It's kind of died off since like other stuff's been happening, but I do remember when it first started really popping up. And that is the fact that Lake Mead in Las Vegas is slowly drying up due to the drought. And bodies in barrels and stuff are starting to emerge. Because... No. <laughs> no. Have you not seen this? No. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, no. I'm telling you right now. Immediately, no. <laughs> So, as we know, Vegas has often been, like, kind of viewed as, like, you know, it's the city. Like, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So, like... This is not staying in Vegas. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, it's been often, like, thought of as, like, you know, a big mob city. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, the article that I'm kind of reading from is titled... Bodies pulled from parched Lake Mead stir wise guy ghosts of Las Vegas. And it basically talks about how they're saying that the mob has been using Lake Mead as like a dumping site for years. And now that it's starting to dry up, where they thought like these bodies are going to be like basically underwater for like the rest of like whatever is not 
<laughs> the case. Um, they have found quite a few bodies. So the first barrel in ever since bodies started turning up this month in Lake Mead, the first in a barrel, the next half buried in sand, both exposed by plunging water levels. Theories in Las Vegas are flourishing about who they are, how they wound up in the country's largest man-made reservoir, and what might surface next. The second body that was found in Lake Mead was actually found by someone who was paddleboarding. Mm. Immediately, no. That's what you get for being active. I'm just kidding. I am a huge advocate for being active. I'm a huge advocate for it. And I love water sports. It was a good joke, though. <laughs> it says, at first they thought they had stumbled onto bones of a bighorn sheep. It wasn't until I saw the jawbone with a silver filling that I was like, whoa, this is human. <laughs> the discovery of human remains is always a source of tragedy and potential pain for loved ones especially when they show signs of a violent end but in Las Vegas a town where the seedy underbelly is part of the draw it's a Mac I think it's pronounced Maccabee like fascination and amateur sleuthing have quickly followed. Um, so obviously there's a whole lot of mystery around like these buys that are being like basically uncovered. I don't remember if I've seen anything where they've, you know, been able to identify really any of these people. But like I said, this is, it's like an ongoing thing because we're still, like, over in Vegas, they're still in a drought. Mm-hmm. And so, the lake just keeps, keeps on drying, drying and more and more stuff's just popping up. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if anything, like, comes out of this. Like, how crazy would it be if, like... A body resurfaces that is like from a missing person's case. Yeah. Like, there's some creepy aspects to this, but there's also, you know, possibly good things about this. But like I said, I saw this first on TikTok. And if you go online, you can literally type in like Lake Mead. And in Google, it'll either just, you know, you can just do that and it'll bring up articles. Or if you type it, it'll be like, drying up stuff like that <laughs> and like i said there's multiple art articles on this um but yeah i just i saw it the other day and i was like you know what i'm gonna do that for a last call like i know we always try to keep it light but i just thought it was funny and be like see this is why you can't just be going and throwing bodies in lakes you never know when they're gonna resurface yep gotta be smart about it <laughs> Even if you're smart about it, it's not a foolproof plan. Unless some animal eats it. Yep. Which is why I say feed it to the pigs. But even then, sometimes they leave behind something. The easiest thing is just don't kill people. I mean, 
Uh, I guess she's right. <laughs> that's that's the easiest way. You just don't kill people. Okay. As much <sighs> as they might annoy sucker. you. Yeah. As much as they might annoy you. Let's just make it easier for everybody. Just don't kill people. Okay. But that is my last call. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, if you want to know more about, like I said, you can definitely go and research these articles yourself. Or, you know, I'm sure if you go on TikTok and type in, like, Lake Mead, you'll have different things pop up. But, like I said, it was kind of a funny one. I did. I thought I could have sworn you'd probably seen it because our For You page is usually aligned. But yeah. <laughs> clearly I've, I've been withholding. <laughs> did not see this one. I'm glad we saved it, though. <laughs> but be sure to check us out every Tuesday and Friday for a new episode. We're gonna keep. We're gonna try to keep on the one like two episodes a week thing. We had to take some time off because life kind of kicked us and threw us into a whole different rut. But we're slowly coming out of that. Uh, if you want to see like drink recipes for the episodes or you know pictures for the like to go along with the episodes be sure to check out our social medias yeah instagram facebook um twitter all that fun stuff we also have our email at tequila at gmail.com you can send us case suggestions drink suggestions last call ideas stuff like that we also have our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. You can get ad-free episodes, a bonus episode every month. And from there, just kind of like the more that you pay, the more that you get back from us. If you are not seeing something that you want to see over there, feel free to let us know. We would be happy to consider it. But you, the easiest way to find us at Patreon is patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. You can also find it through the link tree in our bios at our social medias. So we hope you enjoyed hanging out with us today and we will catch up with you next time. Thanks for riding along on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>